0: is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 926 AM Central Daylight Time. It is June the 28th, 2019. This is episode 113 of Bitcoin. And I got some stacked sats, courtesy of Lolly. I finally, finally, finally got my 18 bucks worth of, of Bitcoin from buying my lawnmower last month. This is not Lolly's fault. Pretty sure this is Ace Hardware just not being able to, I don't know, get people they work with information they need in a timely manner. But... Nice. I mean, you know, it wasn't like the as big of a reward as I was hoping for uh, from Ace, but you know, maybe they're cheap skates, but still, man, it's like eighteen bucks. And all I did was buy I'm I'm assuming this is from my purchase of a lawnmower because I haven't really bought anything online at, at Ace since. In either event, finally, finally got to stack SATs with Lolly from Ace. I have also stacked SATs with Lolly uh, from uh, the Microsoft store buying video ga- a couple of video games for uh, me and my son. Um, you know, it's just, I love it. I, I am really digging this lolly thing and like I reported on Wednesday, uh, they have hooked up with hotels.com so I will be probably using hotels.com in the in the near future uh, because I'm going to need a hotel room for at least, uh, a couple of nights, uh, when I take the fam for the family on vacation. All right. So there's the lolly news. And I don't know if this is just a broken website at this point, but when I was putting the show together for the morning, I went over to ccn.com's website and it looks completely jacked. Uh, lots of, it looks like a lot of, uh, hypertext stuff is, not loading, and I don't know, man. It just looks like a mess. So my question is: has CCN, has CCN finally pulled the pulled the plug on themselves, like they said they were going to do a couple, you know, was that three or four weeks ago, uh, because of the whole Google algorithm change or or whatever it was they were complaining about? Personally, I don't give that much of a rat's ass, only because uh, they have not really ever been all that kind to Bitcoin. And I'm just kind of done with it. But in 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 either event, it's possible, given what I'm seeing from the CCN website, that it they may have actually finally tanked themselves. So okay, so Mount Gox is is a zombie now. It it won't die. It's Mount Gox is going to be with us forever, people. It's going to be with us forever. This is never getting solved. Landon Manning, writing for Bitcoin Magazine, June twenty six, says Mount Gox founder faces fraud lawsuit over hack vulnerabilities, and he ain't talking about he ain't talking about our friend. He's talking about the other guy, Jed McCaleb. Now, Jed McCaleb is the guy who actually founded Mount Gox and sold it to Mark Carpellis. Let's see what what uh, what Mr. Uh, Manning has to say. Jed McCaleb, founder of early crypto exchange Mt. Gox, is currently being sued over his handling of the exchange during his time as its CEO. According to the complaint, two former traders on Mt. Gox have accused McCaleb of fraudulent handling of the exchange, with McCaleb allegedly leaving major security holes that led to future hack attempts. The Mt. Gox hack in 2014 when Mark Carpellis was CEO is the most famous of the attacks on the early crypto exchange with some 850,000 Bitcoin being stolen and the site getting shut down. However, there were also lesser-known hacks on the site before McCaleb handed off control to Carpellis. In particular, a large volume of smaller hacks took place in 2011 leading to the loss of large amounts of user Bitcoin. As the suit alleges, Rather than secure the exchange after the first round of hacks, McCaleb sold a large portion of his interest in the then sole proprietorship and provided avenues to to the purchasers to cover up the security concerns. This suggests that McCaleb did his best to present Mt. Gox as a completely stable exchange until the problem was out of his hands, keeping users in the dark regarding the massive security flaws that later enabled the hack that shut down the site altogether. Crypto traders Joseph Jones and Peter Steinmetz are thus claiming that McCaleb is directly responsible for the loss of their funds, even while Karpelis was CEO. After the collapse of Mt. Gox, Karpelis was indicted on charges related to mismanagement and managed to escape charges of outright embezzlement while being found guilty of record tampering in March 2019 although it became impossible to determine whether or not carpellus had directly stolen some bitcoin of dubious origin from Mt. gox users the case the case's presiding judge tomoyuki nakayama stated that the manipulation of data to the extent it discredited the integrity of crypto exchanges altogether. The rehabilitation process for defrauded users began this year with the case's trustee automatically preparing claims for users who had verified Mt. Gox accounts at the time. Jones and Steinmetz are not filing a class action suit on behalf of all defrauded users, but nevertheless, a guilty verdict for McCaleb could set a precedent for the future development of the rehabilitation process. So, yeah, there you go. Mt. Gox is just, you know, steadily marching across the field with its arms held, you know, out in front of it, stumbling around just screaming brains, brains, because it's a frickin' zombie and it's never going to go away. All right. So also from Landon Manning, also from Bitcoin Magazine, also from the 26th, Bitcoin IRA partners with BitGo to offer insured crypto retirement accounts. (laughs) Bitcoin IRA, a firm that c- offers crypto for individual retirement accounts, is partnering with Bitgo to offer full insurance plans on these accounts. Bitgo announced that its custody firm or custody arm Bitgo Trust has prepared $100 million a $100 million fund in cold storage to be used for this insurance. Bitcoin IRA as a whole has made $350 million in IRA crypto asset transactions since the company's launch in 2016. Although the cold storage reserves that BitGo has dedicated to this insurance will not be guaranteed for every single account, the sheer volume of these reserves should, practically speaking, cover any damages that may occur. This trend continues a string of expansions in BitGo trust over the past several months. BitGo received approval from regulators to enter business in September 2018. The company hired traditional wealth management veteran Richard Kokorin I guess that's the way you pronounce it, in December to head up the division. After several months of preparation, BitGo Trust launched its first major standalone project in May 2019, giving BitGo clients an off-chain clearing and settlement system. With Bitgo's services typically directed toward institutional clients, this individual heavy platform is something of a break from the company's usual bread and butter. BitGo's CEO, Mike Belshi, said that Bitcoin IRA delivers an innovative retirement platform, adding that the partnership between the two has built the industry's best offering for retail investors who want to make digital assets a part of their retirement investment strategy. So there you go. Uh, Again, more more signs of adoption everywhere we look. And this one is just going to end up being filled with stupid Okay, this is just going to be filled with stupid. This is out of Coindesk. Lee Kuhn is writing on June the 27th. The Trump administration is in talks with Crypto Startup on Israel-Palestinian peace plans. That's right. We're putting conflict on the blockchain now. And peace as well, apparently. Let's see what Lee has to say. The Trump administration has tapped Israeli crypto startup orbs to develop blockchain solutions for the region's long standing political conflicts. It's already stupid. My God. Uh, uh, Sorry. Can you hear the face palm? Uh, Continuing. The disclosure comes this week from a summit convened by the white house in Bahrain to discuss the Israeli Palestinian conflict The New York Times reported Treasury Secretary Stephen Minchin said investments in the Palestinian territory would be like a hot IPO. The White House is aiming to put $50 billion behind its so-called peace-to-prosperity plan. Orb's co-founder Netta Koren told Coindesk in an email that her team has been working with the U.S. administration and the State Department on several projects that are currently in stealth mode. Koren. Who is also co-founder of the nonprofit Hexa Foundation, focused on social impact blockchain products added, projects, added quote, "I was invited to Bahrain to show the immense potential blockchain technology has to solve some of the problems governments are facing in an efficient and transparent manner." End quote Koren says the approach is emblematic of a paradigm shift in dealing with economic aid to the Palestinian people. Where the default used to be donations, the future will now be based on investments." This does not sound good. She told Coindesk, the solutions that are being sought after will be innovative and game-changing. Oh, well, that makes it all the better. <clears throat> yeah, God, For I'm sorry, this is just stupid. Stepping back, Korn was one of the few Israelis to join White House advisor Jared Kushner at the Bahrain summit. American economist Kevin Hassett even floated the idea of using blockchain technology to resolve land title disputes in the Palestinian territories, which perhaps overlooked the fact that such conflicts generally involve the Israeli military. Previously, an anonymous source with knowledge of the Israeli-Palestinian diplomatic relations told Coindesk that blockchain solutions for tracking capital flows in the Palestinian territories have been discussed over the past year. In particular, the source said a meeting last October with U.S. Deputy Secretary of the Treasury, Sigal Mendekler, or whatever, and several representatives from the Bank of Israel and the Israeli finance ministry explored such blockchain solutions. There were no Palestinians present at the meeting, the anonymous source said, although the Palestinian Monetary Authority is also reportedly exploring blockchain solutions. Meanwhile, the personal ties between the Israeli crypto industry and government bodies continue to deepen. Korn was previously an advisor to the Israeli Ministry of Defense, General Yoav Medici, Hmm, not going to pronounce that right. <clears throat> Plus, Corin's husband is Nadav Shemesh, a former aide to the Israeli Ministry of Finance, Moshe Kalhon. Hmm, weird. This is hardly unique for Israel. For example, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's niece and nephew, Guy and Gaila ben Artzi are co-founders of the blockchain startup Bancor. Wow. Danny Brown-Wolf, head of partnerships at Orbs and former advisor with the Israelis' United Nation delegation, told Coindesk that although no one thinks technology can solve the conflict, blockchain solutions could help distribute humanitarian aid to Palestinians and support economic development. On the surface, it appears not much has changed since the meetings last fall, as the Palestinian Authority boycotted this week's Bahrain summit, although Corin declined to name any specific Palestinian partners or project plans. She said her team is working with Palestinians on both the design of these projects and the implementation on the ground. Palestinian tech industry leaders did not respond to Coindesk's request for comment. We will update the article if we hear back. In conclusion, Corin added, quote, blockchain will play a major role in the region going forward, end quote. And I'm sorry, but no, man, this is just dumb. This is just, no, this, no, no, no. Blockchain doesn't do dick here. It doesn't do dick. I'm sorry. And I'm not going to explain why. You should know. There, There are things that you don't need a blockchain for, and that's pretty much most things. There are very, 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 very few things in the world that require a blockchain. Probably you can count them on one hand, sound money being one of them, right? Okay, other than that, there is nothing that that a centralized, you know, ledger can't handle. And every time that these people talk in this way and they they're like, they're, they're try, It looks to me, from the language of that article, it looks to me like they're trying to marry this really cludgy technology to finance and military. Blockchain, finance, and military. I don't think this ends well. I, I don't think it's going to do what they think it's going to do. And I'm not sure exactly what the hell's up their sleeves. And at this point, I kind of don't care because I just want these people to just all pretty much go away and stop marrying money with with military force. I mean, this this has been the way, the this is why the world is screwed as it is and has been screwed as it has been for this long. So just take your blockchain and sh- kindly shove it. Daniel Palmer is writing for Coindesk. June the 28th billionaire investor and philanthropist Henry Kravis is dipping his toe into the world of crypto assets. According to a piece by Bloomberg on Friday, Kravis who is co-founder of global investment firm KKR and company is said to have invested in cryptocurrency fund offered by Parify capital. The news comes via Parify founder and CIO, Ben Foreman, a former KKR employee who left to form the San Francisco based digital asset startup. Bloomberg said in a spokes, said a spokeswoman for Kravis has declined to comment for on the investment. Foreman describes Parify Capital as an investment firm focused on the blockchain ecosystem. With backing from Bain Capital Ventures, Dragonfly Capital Partners, and more. Oh my God, dude, really Bain? Man, According to Crunchbase, Parify has invested in crypto, or crypto exchange Coinbase and Ethereum-based stablecoin developer MakerDAO. As well as de- working on debt investments, Foreman led KKR's research efforts on blockchain and crypto before leaving the firm in 2018, Bloomberg says. Foreman said, quote, While I toyed with the idea of pursuing blockchain investing within KKR, it was clear to me that the firm did not provide the optimal format to do so. Instead of pursuing crypto at KKR, I wanted to build the KKR of crypto. End quote. Kravis has an estimated net worth of $5.8 billion as of mid-2018 and is ranked by Forbes as the 365th richest person in the world, according to Wikipedia, (laughs) whatever. So, you know, we're, we're... Seeing, <clears throat> We're seeing the rise of uh, people talking about blockchain again. And it's Bitcoin, not blockchain, because again, blockchain is just not going to help in almost every single case in the world. But I don't know. I mean, billionaires dipping their toes into, into crypto. I guess it's, you know, uh, signs of adoption. I mean, so there's that. There, there's always that. Uh, Bloomberg is, is writing the resilient, or is, is writing. Uh, no sorry, Tyler Cowan writing for Bloomberg Opinion is writing. Bitcoin is probably here to stay. The resilience of cryptocurrency has a lot to do with the volatility of the real world. Now, I don't, I don't get Bloomberg. Uh, I don't pay for it, so I, I have reached my limit of articles. But the whole fact. Sorry about the pause, ladies and gentlemen. I got a text on my phone it was about uh picking up my daughter from from summer camp. Anyway, the the only thing I'm going to read from this article is is I think probably the most important part of the article. Um but it's it uh Tyler says, "The obvious question is this: If Bitcoin was just a bubble to begin with, why has it been bouncing back in this manner?" The answer is that cryptocurrencies in some form or another are probably here to stay. Well, duh. So we've been trying to tell people that for a long, long time. Uh, and they just keep pointing at us and laughing. And then we see Bitcoin do what it's been doing over the last couple of months. And then we also get laughed at when, you know, nobody says anything up until the blow off top, right? Which we suffered. (coughs) Everybody's seen it. Um, and then we have a twenty percent correction, and then they pointed at us and laugh, and we're like, "But we still made money." I, <laughs> I this just is bizarre. Okay, so uh, Forbes uh, Hank Tucker is writing as of June the twenty seventh. Crypto exchange and XRP refuge Bitsane vanishes, scamming as many as two hundred and forty six thousand users. Ireland-based cryptocurrency exchange BitSane disappeared without a trace last week, likely taking hundreds of thousands of users' assets with it. Account holders told Forbes that attempts to withdraw Bitcoin, XRP, and other cryptocurrencies began failing in May, with BitSane's support team writing in emails that withdrawals were temporarily disabled due to technical reasons. My God. By June 17th, BitSane's website was offline and its Twitter and Facebook accounts were deleted. Emails to multiple BitSane accounts are now returned as undeliverable. Victims of the scam are comparing notes in a group chat with more than 100 members, members on the messaging app Telegram and in a similar Facebook group. Most users in the groups claim to have lost up to $5,000 US but Forbes spoke with one person in the US who says he had $150,000 worth of XRP and Bitcoin stored in Bitsane. Bitsane's disappearance is the latest latest cautionary tale for a cryptocurrency industry trying to shed its reputation as an unsafe asset class. Several exchanges like GateHub and Binance have been breached by hackers this year but an exchange completely ceasing to exist with no notice explanation is far more unusual. BitSane had 246,000 registered users according to its website as of May 30th the last time its homepage was saved on the Internet Archive's Wayback Machine. Its daily trading volume was $7 million US on March 31st according to CoinMarketCap. Quote I was trying to transfer Ripple out to Bitcoin or cash or anything and it kept saying temporarily temporarily disabled. I knew right away there was some kind of problem," says the user who claims to have lost 150,000 and asked to remain anonymous. I went back in to try to look at those tickets to see if they were still pending, and you could no longer access BitSane. Ooh, man, just freaking god hosed! At the height of the cryptocurrency craze in late 2017 and early 2018, BitSane attracted casual investors because it allowed them to buy and sell Ripple. Which at the time was not listed on Coinbase, the most popular U.S. cryptocurrency exchange. CNBC published a story on January 2nd, 2018, with the headline "How to Buy XRP, One of the Hottest Bitcoin Competitors." It explained how to buy Bitcoin or Ethereum on Coinbase, transfer it to Bitsane, and then exchange it for XRP. Okay, hold on. Let's take a let's take a breath. Yeah, CNBC. I remember that. It was it was like and it was like I think Ripple was three bucks uh, it was I think it was north of three dollars. And that idiot from Fast Money told people how they could actually, you know, buy all this stuff on Coinbase and how to get XRP out of it. And I did not realize or I had forgotten that he had advised people to go to this particular exchange. And now they're wrecked because they listened to the the idiots of CNBC fast money or I'm pretty sure it was fast money don't listen to those guys people fast money is is a it it's a dumpster fire if you want to get like the worst advice ever then by all means go get your investment advice from fast money but if you have a one single neuron in your in your brain left that still has a fucking pulse stay as far away from CNBC's fast money as you possibly can Because now these people are wrecked. Continuing. Bitsane went live in November 2016, according to a press release, registering in Dublin as Bitsane LP under CEO Adis Ripsis. And its chief technology officer was Dmitry Prudnikov. (coughs) Wow. Prudnikov's LinkedIn account has been deleted, and neither he or Rupsis could be reached for comment. A separate company, Bitsane Limited, was incorporated in, Eng- in England in August 2017 by Maxim Zimtrevich. He wanted to own the intellectual property rights to part of Bitsane's code and use it for a trading platform for his trading platform company, Asbit, was building. Zimtek Zim, uh, Zimtovich says BitSane's developers insisted that their exchange name be on the new legal entity he was forming. But as Bit never ended up using any of the code, since the partnership did not materialize and BitSane Limited did not provide any services to BitSane LP. On May the 16th, Bitsane Limited filed for dissolution because Zimtrovich wasn't doing anything with it, and the company's registration was up for renewal. Some of the Bitsane's exchange victims have found the public filing and su- suspected Zimtrovich as part of the scam, but he insists accusations against him were unfounded. He says he hasn't spoken to Prudnikov, who was in charge of negotiation- negotiations with ASBIT, in at least five months, and Prudnikov has not returned his call since account holders searching for answers began contacting him. Asbit wrote a blog post about the Bitsane scam on June 13th, explaining Bitsane's limited lack of invest involvement. Quote, I'm sick and tired of these ac- accusations. This company didn't even have a bank account, Zemtrovich says. The location of the money and whereabouts of any of BitSane's LP's employees remain a mystery to the scam victims who are unsure about what action to take next. Multiple account holders in the United States say they have filed complaints with the FBI, but all of them are concerned that their cash is gone for good. It is. Your cash is gone because you don't take the advice of every single person that screams this, not your keys, not your Bitcoin, and stop dabbling in Ripple. It's re it's a, it's ridiculous. It's a scam all by itself. Uh, so another exchange, you know, goes the way of the dodo and exit scams with everybody's money. You know, I, I've covered this multiple times since I started this podcast. I have seen this now time and time and time again in it, it, it never surprises me that it happens, but it always kind of hurts a little bit to have to read those because I know somebody lost a lot of money. Again. Ugh. So also in, in you know, I guess this week in stupid, is, is that Binance and talks with Facebook over Libra. This is from financemagnates.com, and it's David Kimberly writing as of yesterday, the 27th, Binance officials are in contact with Facebook according to the cryptocurrency exchange strategy. uh, uh, I'm going to do that one again. Binance officials are in contact with Facebook according to the cryptocurrency exchange's strategy officer. Speaking to finance magnates at the FinTech Junction conference in Tel Aviv on Thursday, Jin Chow said that the exchange is in early stage discussions with a social media giant over its nascent Libra cryptocurrency. Quote, We have had official dialogue with Facebook, said Chow. With with regarding to listings specifically, right now they are going to be on a so-called private chain, so that means they won't be looking for external liquidity. However, from what we understand the potential to be, that would lead them to wanting a secondary market. Currencies benefit from a secondary market, so it would be in their best interest to want it to be listed. Chow did note, that discussions with Facebook are very much at a preliminary stage. The Binance executives added that conversations with the social media giant have largely focused on dealings with infrastructure, and although Binance may be in contact with Facebook, Chow said that he expects other cryptocurrency exchanges to engage with Libra. Quote, It wouldn't just be in Facebook's interest to list their coin on our exchange, said the Binance strategy officer. It would also be in their interest to list on other exchanges as well, and that's probably going to happen. So if they decide to go on a public chain and they get the sort of adoption that they could get, we would probably want to list them. <laughs> I guess. I just I this, this coin's driving me driving me nuts. I probably shouldn't have such a damn harsh view on it, but to me, it's just another shit coin. But this time, it's a shit coin with a lot of reach. And, you know, I I guess I, I might be one of the only ones that are still not fully on the other side of the coin, pardon the pun, about how it's going to be good for Bitcoin. And I don't necessarily think it's going to be all that bad for Bitcoin. And yes, I can see the potential, but I I would no more want to use this coin than I would want to buy drugs over the counter at the sheriff's office. I'm sorry, man, but this just is just ridiculous. And it's not going to go away, so I, I know I need to get used to it. This is probably going to be the only shit coin that has any potential value whatsoever, but it's still a shit coin. Daniel Palmer is writing for Coindesk uh, today. Goldman Sachs CEO, hence bank might launch JPM coin like crypto. God, Goldman Goldman Sachs may ultimately take part in the crypto disruption of finance, according to its CEO, David Solomon. In an interview with French news source Le Echoes on Friday, Solomon said the bank absolutely could follow JPM Morgan Chase in launching a cryptocurrency. He further said that Goldman Sachs is carrying out extensive research on asset tokenization and stablecoins. Solomon continued, quote, Assume that all major financial institutions around the world are looking at the potential of tokenization, stable coins, and frictionless payments, end quote. Asked about potential involvement with Facebook's Libra cryptocurrency project, Solomon refused to comment on any discussion the bank may have with clients. However, he said, quote, I find the principle interesting, end quote. Tokenization and stable coins are the direction in which the payment system will go. That said, it's too early to say which platform might ultimately win out, said the CEO. As for crypto regulation, Solomon suggested that change is coming for sure. I think regulators around the world are watching what's going on. They wonder how it will work and are very attentive to payment flows, he said. After saying that cryptocurrencies would only have value in a dystopian economy back in January, J.P. Morgan revealed a month later that it was, in fact, working on one of its own. JPM Coin will initially run to run on top of Quorum, the private version of Ethereum the bank developed in conjunction with ETHLAB, and could be used to settle a portion of transactions between clients of its wholesale payments business in near real time. The bank revealed earlier this week that it is now starting trials of JPM Coin with clients. Well, you know, Goldman Sachs and JPM Coin... Uh you know, I don't know. The stupid's pretty thick out there, people. And um, you know, we had been running through the, the song series Fear from Rush, and and this is why. This is why. I'm not scared of this, but this kind of thing, you know, it it will charge the fear batteries that are out there, and people will point to this and say Bitcoin's gonna fail because Goldman Sachs is doing it, and JPM and we're going to go through the entire cycle again. So, you know, strap in, guys, because the stupid is never going to end. And here's uh, here's one of the reasons why. This is out of Bitcoinist.com. New Satoshi Nakamoto theory points to Estonia. This is Christina Combin writing today. Uh, you know, why do we care so much anymore? He's been gone for eight years now, you know, it was the best thing to happen to Bitcoin that there's just, just the guy just up and left or the team did or whatever. But for whatever reason, there is this long-standing fascination with, we've got to know who made this. No, we don't let it go. So let's, let's dive in. This is our last piece for morning roundup. We all know how advanced the tiny Eastern European nation of Estonia is when it comes to technology. But the fact that Estonia started experimenting with blockchain technology the same year it was invented in 2008, 2008 is hardly proof that Satoshi Nakamoto was living there at the time. However... According to a thought-provoking Medium article, there's some pretty compelling evidence to suggest that Estonia is actually his or her home. Moreover, his or her identity has been narrowed down to four potential people or collaboration. Okay, Satoshi Nakamoto is Mike Galt. According to Crunchbase, Mike Galt is the CEO and founder of GuardTime, an Estonian software company that he has led for 10 years. Guard time, according to evidence uncovered by the author, has been working with blockchain since 2008, the year it is known to have been discovered. Apparently we discovered it. It's like the discovery of fire. Here is where it gets more interesting. Galt started his career researching quantum devices in, wait for it, Japan. (laughs) He then worked as a derivatives and quant trader in Tokyo. His PhD in electronic engineering came from the University of Wales, all of the above would explain the Japanese connection, the exact timing, and the perfect English. Bitcoin's creator, Nakamoto, always claimed to be a 37-year-old Japanese male. However, using the occasional British spelling and not documenting his software in Japanese would suggest otherwise. Moreover, according to Wikipedia, Nakamoto claimed that work on the writing of the code began in 2007. Guard time turned on its servers <coughs> on 7 7 2000. And seven. Do all these pieces add up? Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto is Jochi Ito. Yeah, Jochi Ito was born in Japan. This again explains the Japanese connection. However, he lived in the United States and Canada until he was 14. After that, he returned to his native to Japan to attend an American school. This would explain the perfect English, but not the Britishisms such as bloody hard found written in the source code comments. However, guess who Ito was firm friends with? Mike Galt. Ito was a key member and investor in GuardTime, the creator of the first ever Japanese website, and a well-known venture capitalist, early stage investing in the likes of Twitter, Doppler, Kickstarter and many other internet companies. He's also highly vocal on emergent democracy and the sharing economy and the author of Emergent Democracy. Quote, Sato- Satoshi Nakamoto is Mart Sarupa and Otto Buldas. Good God, these names. Uh, names 1 and 2 invented the hash calendar. They also jointly founded GuardTime in Estonia in 2006, which contradicts the Mike Galt profile on Crunchbase. On top of that, they jointly published a paper in 2007 that seems to outline blockchain almost perfectly. As Estonians, <coughs> this does not explain the perfect English or the Japanese connection. This would seem to suggest that Satoshi Nakamoto is a collaboration between these four people or a company, <coughs> GuardTime. Of course, until someone other than Craig Wright comes out proclaiming to be the mysterious Bitcoin and blockchain inventor, this is all mere speculation, but it certainly seems plausible when you add up all the pieces. Moreover, when the medium author Kimberly Forsyth reached out to all four men, Hochi Ito replied saying, ha, not exactly confirmation, but not a rejection either. And so the plot thickens. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm rather amused. You know, this is kind of amusing. This is kind of like tinfoil hattery, right? <clears throat> uh, but, you know, it's like alien theory and like, you know, I guess this is sort of like the Alex Jones side of crypto. Uh, anyway, so there's there's your your yet more who is Satoshi Nakamoto and there is your morning roundup. Vital statistics as usual coming out of bitinfocharts.com. Bitcoin is at uh, 11,835. It looks like the high is going to be at uh, right BTC at 11,842. It looks like the low is going to be over at Coinbase Pro at 11,708. So, I don't know. Yes, that's a healthy spread. Uh, 365,000 transactions were made over the last 24 hours with an average transaction number per hour of 15,212. 1.4 million BTC have been sent over that period, and the average sent per hour is 60,000 BTC with an average transaction value of 3.91 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.066 BTC or about $781 US, which is well above, I, I'm always looking for 300 as the median transaction value because I saw it as, when I started doing this this podcast, the median transaction value was kind of always at, hovering around 300 bucks, right? This is, you know, this is like well over 2 x that, but the block time is pretty stable at nine minutes and 52 seconds. Um Looks like 1.26 BTC are being taking, taken in fees on a per block basis and 182.66 have been taken in fees over the last 24 hours. Whoa, dude. We are approaching all time highs um, of the hash rate. We're down point or 1.25%, but we are still above 60 exahashes per second uh the last github commit to the code was sometime yesterday on the 27th going from left to right ethereum is 304 bcash is 422 litecoin is 118 bsv is 219 ethereum classic is $7.88 dogecoin however is 0.0035 so i haven't actually seen a 35 number in a long time it's 30,000 transactions. They're not going to eclipse either of the bitcoin shit forks. So one of these days that'll change though. One of these days that'll change. Maybe today because remember today Craig Wright stands in front of Judge Reinhardt, opens his mouth and starts talking. So we'll have to wait on that. Uh, other other than that that is your <clears throat> vital statistics. <laughs> All right, man. Your song for the day. I'm just going to go ahead and finish out the week with Rush, just because why not? Plus, the song that that I'm I'm going to play is uh that I'm going to play from them for y'all is um, one of my very very favorite Rush songs of all time. It is also one of the last over ten minute songs, so strap in or fast forward, bros. Uh, but it's a good tune. It's the Tale of Two Cities right the the name of the song is the camera eye it was on the b-side of moving pictures out of 1981 i believe and is sort of, sort of like a lost gem because that's you know that's where you get tom sawyer right and and red barchetta's all coming off that album and that was like i think that was their best selling album ever it was also the one that had the most radio play ever and you know most most of the time b-side tracks they just get lost in time And B-side tracks from the old days when there was like you had vinyl records and you flipped, you know, had to take it off, flip it over and put it back down. Uh, B-side songs actually kind of always got lost, you know, and they were there was a lot of them that were really good. The entire album from uh, the entire album of Moving Pictures is freaking awesome album. But uh, this song is one of one of my favorites. It it talks about two cities, uh, New York in the, in the first part and then London in the second part. And there's this particular line that I always, for I don't know why, but sometimes it just pops into my head. It's been doing it for years, but it's a line from the song that says my feet catch pulse. And there's something about that. And I, I never really understood what that was until I went to New York city for the very first time. And I realized that New York city isn't a city. It's an organism. I mean, everything about that thing is an organism. It and the reason I, I, came, I came to that conclusion before on, on the ride between LaGuardia Airport and my hotel in Midtown Manhattan. And somewhere along the way, at two o'clock in the morning, because I got in way late, I had several flight delays, um, I got in way, way late. And it was two o'clock in the morning and I was just looking out the window of the cab going, my God almighty, just the, the street infrastructure alone to get onto the island and driving around and everything about that. I'm like, you can't plan this. There's nothing about New York City that has been planned for you. I mean, I guess like way back in the day. You know, there was some kind of planning, but by the time it gets something like what New York is now, man, it is no longer a city, it's an organism. Satoshi's treasure, not in the EU. All right, so another Satoshi's uh, treasure dropped. Uh, what was I think it was on the 27th. Let me, let me make sure about this. Yeah, yesterday, the freedom key dropped. <clears throat> its um, status is, is unknown, bringing, let's see, how many unknowns we got? Four, five, six, seven keys are not found or unknown to be found. Uh, the freedom key dropped yesterday, and its clue is not in the EU. It's kind of like, wow, man, that's kind of like, um, that's that's taking a total jab at the EU. I think. Okay, well, let, let's 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 say maybe. I don't know. Hold on for a sec. Kid was yammering in the in the other room. Had to tell my son to quiet it on down. Okay. So in the Danish capital of Copenhagen, the happiest country in the world, Freetown Christiana is the heaven of hippie, H-I-P-P-E, the subject of a vast number of academic studies and a kind of living monument to Danish tolerance. Next Monday, uh, let's see, that'll be the 7-7-2019, agents will travel there and paste a key near Freetown Christiana or yeah, Christina prison 1422 Copenhagen at local time, 11 AM, which is GMT plus two. And I think it says God jacked. I'm thinking that that means good luck in Danish. I don't know. I don't speak Danish, so there's no way I can know, but yeah. Uh, so the, the emission rate of the keys out of Satoshi's treasure are starting to, uh, hasten, I suppose would be a good way to put it. Uh, when it first started, it was going to be every Sunday, but to release at that, cause you need 400 keys or 400 parts of this whole thing. They're going to release a thousand. That would be a thousand weeks. Um, that, that's a lot of, that's like over three years or something. No, no, that's well through here. Sorry. I was thinking, I was thinking uh, 365 days in a year, but 52, Good God almighty that. Yeah. So their, their emission rate was definitely going to have to go higher. Um, and I, I suspect that they'll probably be releasing more and more keys as, as time goes on and who knows, maybe the, they may even be like leveraging some of the people that have already found keys, uh, although be you know, pretty, pretty risky, but uh, nevertheless, I'm, I'm sure they are gathering people on board, uh, to design keys and, and, you know, interesting puzzles, and, or not design the keys, but interesting puzzles and, be, and being able to find the fragments um, to, so that they can, you know, have this, this thing actually go off in a reasonable amount of time because once a week for a thousand clues is not a reasonable amount of time. Anyway, so there's Satoshi's treasure for the day. I can always depend on Craig Wright for The Daily Trainwrecked. Every time that I find myself wanting or, or can't find somebody who hasn't just wrecked the shit out of themselves, I can always just Google Craig Wright and not to be disappointed... Stephen D. Pally is driving this particular train wreck, and not in the fact that it's not Stephen D. Pally that is the train wreck. It is Craig Wright. But bringing us this train wreck is uh, at Stephen D. Pally. He says not to be outdone. Craig Wright also says in a new filing that he will call witnesses as his upcoming contempt and sanctions hearing. Uh, Note that by doing this, he allows himself to be subject to cross-examination, which is risky AF. Not-so-fast replies, Is this what geniuses playing seven-dimensional chess do? Pally writes back, It's insane. Remember, the court mentioned criminal contempt as a possibility. I doubt that will be the outcome, but testifying as a fact witness in front of a pissed-off and skeptical federal judge is a um bold move Yeah, so Craig is that, you know, this is going to be today. Uh he's in the, he's in the hearing. Uh he's he's probably at the courthouse. They're probably knee deep into it by now. Uh judges don't like to start late. Uh anyway, so Stephen also pro- he provided a, a screenshot of the filing that about the expert witnesses that Craig is going to uh, call so he's going to call a guy named Brett Robertson Dr. Wright and call uh, intends to call Mr. Robertson wow Sorry, Uh, intends to call Mr. Robertson to testify as an expert witness regarding digital forensics and PGP signatures. Mr. Robertson has extensive knowledge and expertise related to digital forensics and PGP signatures, and his CV is attached as Exhibit 1 to Kevin Madura. Dr. Wright intends to call Mr. Madura to testify as an expert witness regarding cryptography, cryptocurrencies, and the blockchain. Mr. Madura has extensive knowledge and expertise related to cryptography, cryptocurrencies, and the blockchain, and his CV is attached to Exhibit 2. Steve Shatters. Mr. Shatters is the chief technology officer of Enchain. He will be testifying as a fact witness. Craig Wright is going to call himself. Dr. Wright will be testifying as a fact witness. Now, right there, remember what Stephen said: the minute that he takes the stand, he's subject to cross examination, and it's possible that the uh, that if if Kleiman's, you know, lawyers are, are you know have sacked up and are worth their salt, they could really pick his ass apart, uh, you know, because Craig once he gets on this on the on the on the stand. He has to stay there until the judge dismisses him. So he can't get angry and walk off like he always does in an interview. If he does that, it's probably contempt of court. I'm not sure about that because, no, I'm not a damn lawyer. But one thing I do know is that you can't quit the the witness stand unless the judge says that you can go. And the judge asks the lawyers, are you done with your questions? Is there anything that you need to ask this dude up here, like, at all because if not I'm going to release the witness from the witness stand and at that point the guy can go if cleman's if cleman's lawyers can goad him and he you you know his temperament you know the man has like one of the shortest fuses on the face of the planet if he even stands up if he even stands up and and doesn't sit back down when the judge tells him to or he starts doing that repeatedly or he sh- starts showing anger This could go south for Craig really quick. So we'll just have to see. I hope it goes as south as it possibly can. The only thing that bugs me is that some of these people, some of the worst people in the world, somehow or another have the best luck. And I myself have known somebody in the past who by all rights should have had various licenses taken away from him for actions that he's done and it's never happened. It never happened. And I you know, and other things there I've just seen I've seen so many people that are just horrendous people commit some of the most atrocious acts of connivory and backstabbery and being like untrustworthy at all. And they just karma never seems to be the bitch to them. I don't know. It it amazes me. Hope for the best, y'all. Hope that Clemens lawyers get a contempt out of uh, Craig Wright. Anyway, there's your smoldering pile, and we want to thank Stephen D. Pally for that smoldering pile, which is smoldering over there in the <laughs> All right, man. Terrible Joke Corner is... What do you call dangerous precipitation? A reign of terror.
1: Yeah,
0: buddy. That's a pretty bad one. That's a pretty bad one. Okay, so it's Friday. Friday, Friday, Friday. Um, it's been a hell of a week. I hope you all survived it. Um, it's starting to feel a lot like uh, 2016, 2017. Um, but what's nice is that I'm not seeing a whole bunch of in, you know, I'm not seeing as much internal vitriol as much as we're seeing a whole bunch of externalities on us. Uh, the news you know, media cycle, uh, you know, all these, you know, now Facebook coin and, uh, just, you know, understand that this is, this is the following is going to happen. Large truckloads of fear, uncertainty and doubt are going to be piled upon us at every turn and I don't know if it's ever going to stop. The only time it ever really does stop is you get a huge blow off top and like, you know, a year and a half of, of lows. And then all of a sudden we're, now we're just all moping around and stuff like that. Um, just, you know, allow your, allow this time to train us to have the freaking thickest skin and, And the ability to see 20% drops and just go ahead and, and, and not even, it doesn't even phase you butter and your toast. Get like that. I mean, if we can, if we can all end up coming out the other side of, of this whole thing with thick skin and the ability to just ride markets that are weird as shit, then we might be all right. We really will. We'll be able to tell when people are lying to us. We'll be able to, you know, Build businesses will be able to shoulder, you know, the the most immense amount of bad luck and crap. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll, you know, look at it as a training field. Okay, if you can look at it as a training field, at least you'll get something out of the other end, even if the whole thing goes tits up. So, anyway, uh, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I hope we have some some sane consolidation. And not like this whole toppy thing and and blow off tops and whatnot like that. And that we can all sit back, relax, chill out, and, you know, enjoy our summer. If we can enjoy our summer, then, you know, and and get trained to be badasses on the other side, then maybe price doesn't matter. Who am I kidding? Price always matters. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and...